I'm ready. Hey, this has been such a great sermon series, and you're going to enjoy today. Pastor Zach is talking about ready to run, and you really are ready to run. So listen, we're going to jump into that sermon right now. Uh, So yeah, anyways, we're going to carry on today. We're going to carry on with the I'm Ready series, and I hope you've been enjoying it. I've been thinking about... um, just how where we were at the beginning of 2020, you know, uh, the, a year of perfect vision and, uh, you know, just a lot of excitement and things that we are looking forward to. And I don't know about you guys, but uh, each sermon series, just kind of one thing after the other, it just feels like, you know, God's speaking to us. You know, like he's moving us along intentionally, and one thing is building on another, and it's just, it's been a lot of fun. So I'm hoping today to build on some of the things that Pastor Carl has been sharing on over the last couple of weeks with I'm Ready. And today we're going to talk about I'm ready to run, but we've been looking at Psalm 57, <clears throat> excuse me, a, a golden song of David, and, and it's the song that he wrote when he was in the cave, when he was hiding from Saul. And uh, we saw a couple weeks ago how uh, in the cave, in this place where he was being chased, a, a place of a, a low experience for David, it was in that moment that it says that he, he strengthened himself, he became ready, he set his heart, he became steadfast in God. He said, God, you're my trust in God, you're my confidence. And he fixed his heart. And just like the Apostle Paul, who, who came to this place of saying, you know what, I'm not moved. I'm not going to be moved. I'm determined. That's something that happened for David. That's something that he said in a revelation he came to in the cave. Two weeks ago, we talked about the power of community, and we had that nice sending off for for Sue and Ray, who I've seen you guys online today, so good to see you guys, bless you guys. But uh, we saw this, David went into the cave, he was being chased by Saul, and he went into the cave by himself. And uh, it wasn't long after that that he was joined by family, and he was joined by up to 400 people, and these 400 people were probably not his hand-picked people. You know, he, it says that the people who were in distress, who were dead, in debt, who were disconnect, discontented, these are the people that surrounded himself with David and came to David. And, and I think David might have been like, oh my goodness, the temptation anyways would have been to be like, God, I got enough of my own problems. Like, oh my goodness, I got so much stuff going on right now. I'm running from my life and you send me all these people. And, and he might have been like, just, oh my goodness, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for these people. But uh, you know what David did in the cave? It's actually amazing. In 1 Samuel 22, 2, it says, all the people in distress and debt who are discontented, they gathered to him. But look what it says. It says he became their captain. That's amazing. He became their captain. It doesn't say he became their friend. He became anything else than their captain. And I think the word captain was chosen on purpose. He organized them. He trained them. He cared for them. He became responsible for them. He, he became responsible for their development. He unified them in purpose and vision, and, and he poured out himself into these people in a very strong way. And eventually, you see chapters later, these guys turn into an incredible army. And I think David did his best discipling when he was in his worst spot. And you know what, if, if we're in a cave, you feel like you're in a cave, you're locked down, you don't feel like you're in the best spot in life, I'll tell you what, there's people in your world you can pour into. There's people that God has put in your world that you can pour into, and you'll probably find yourself doing your best discipling in your place of distress. That's what God's got for you. And then last week, we had a really special treat. We had George and Pastor Carl and uh, singing together and doing their duets. It was great, but we learned about the power of worship. You know, it was in Psalm 57, verse 7 in the Message Bible, David says, I'm ready to sing. And we see the power of song and what song can do in worship, what that can do in your life and how that can change you, how it can change the people around you and how it can change your circumstances. 
And I think David being a worshiper, I think that was a big part of what actually turned these people into mighty men. They actually got to enjoy the process of David worshiping. They got to see David worship and they got to engage and share in his relationship with God and say, God, wow, I love the way that you love David. David, I love the way you love God. And that kind of discipled them. And I think that had a really big impact on how these people became the mighty men. So today we're going to talk about getting ready, but getting ready to run. And uh, as Marilyn, or Ma- Marilyn, oh my goodness, Madeline, <laughs> I'm seriously sleep deprived. I'm just going to let you know. <laughs> Madeline and Pastor Cheryl were talking about puppies. Oh my goodness, it's like having kids all over again. I haven't slept, I haven't slept when, <laughs> I haven't slept. When I do sleep, I snore like crazy and I've just rubbed my throat raw. It's, it's crazy. So anyways, we're going we're gonna to keep going because we're ready. We're ready. And we're talking about the preparation side of being ready. And to do that, I wanted to show you this picture again. This is one of the graphics that George came up with. It's really good. I'm ready, and you'll notice the racer. And I I like the picture of of the racer, and I love the the concept of a race, because in the Bible, our Christian life is actually often referred to as a race. Hebrews 12, 1 to 2, it says, Let us run with endurance the race that's set before us, looking unto Jesus. Paul said in 2 Timothy 4, 7, he said, I fought the good fight, I finished the race. And the race analogy is so helpful. It gives, us, it gives us handles. It gives us a construct to help us to just have some word pictures that help us understand something. And, and Paul described it really good. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 26. He said, don't you know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one runs to get the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, he says, I don't run around like someone running aimlessly. So there's, there's some word pictures here. And the first word picture I really want to uh, just get you to grab hold of as we talk about some things here is think about a runner. Think about a guy who's running a race and think about the starting line. You know, races have a defined beginning and they have a defined end. And we're not going to talk about the end today, but I want you to think about a race, uh, I don't know, like a 100-meter race in in the Olympics. I mean, you can't just show up that day. Like, I can't just go to the stadium and say, hey, guys, guess what? Uh, My name's Zach, and I I think I'd like to run in the 100-meter race today. I mean, you just can't do that, right? There's some process, there's some preparation that goes into that. You you can't just show up. and, And you can't just start running from, like, the parking lot. You can't just run, start running from the 80-yard line or the 80-meter line. You've got to start at the starting line. So we've got to be clear about what our race looks like, and we've got to be clear about what the starting line is. So I want you to have in your mind just a picture of a runner who's getting ready to go. He's, he's just kind of sauntering up. And maybe you've heard this before, like the, the officials of a race will say something like, on your marks, get set, and then go. We're not going to talk about go today, but on your marks. That's what I want you to picture in your head right now. Because when we're talking about getting ready to run a race, when we're talking about a journey in the Christian life, when we're talking about process, we're talking about purpose, not perfection. When we talk about process, when we talk about race, when we talk about journey in Christianity, it's about purpose. It's not about perfection. And I'm going to try to explain that in about 10 different ways, because that is so, so, so important to get. You have to know that all the language in the Bible about running your race, it's not about becoming perfect. It's not about becoming sanctified and cleaning yourself up. It's not as if at the end of your sweaty race, you finally got to a point where you're able to say, Jesus, look what I did and look how I turned out. Will you please be happy with me? Will you give me a gold medal? That's not how it is. 
We're not on a journey towards God. We're not running our race, living our lives with the intentionality to become more perfect, more Christ-like even, more pleasing to God, to earn rewards in heaven, or to attain the lofty heights of spiritual experience or spiritual gifts. That is not what the race is all about. When we talk about running our race, our starting line, we're talking about purpose. See, God has a purpose, a unique created design for you and for me. And, I, you know, the beautiful thing about this is, is in Christian discipleship, one of the things that we learn about is we constantly point to the finished work of Christ, but we want to point to the finished work of Christ because we want you to unpack who you are. Because it's really important to know that the, the plan and the purpose of God for your life, it's not like God has a blueprint up in heaven that he's constantly evaluating your life against. He took that blueprint and he stamped it on the inside of you. And you embody purpose. So Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, he said, God, has, God you know, he created us in Christ Jesus and in him he prepared good works for us to walk in in advance and that happens by our creation in Christ Jesus so it's really really important because when we say perfection we have to we know what we're talking about being complete whole not missing anything and we're not on a journey towards that that is a gift that God gives us so all the talk, and there, there's so many ways that this concept kind of gets worked itself into Christianity. So I, maybe you've heard about get ready, you know, Jesus is coming, you better get ready. Well, even that is a relational construct. Now, if you'll just give me a second just to go down a little rabbit hole for a minute. In, in Revelation chapter 19, it talks about the bride having made herself ready. Well, the bride didn't make herself holy. The bride didn't clean herself up and all of a sudden make herself perfect. That's a relational reality. That's like the bride of Christ saying to Jesus, finally, you know what? I'm willing to accept your identity and the identity that you'll give me. That's the bride saying to Jesus, I'm ready to accept your purpose and join myself to what you want to do. That's the bride saying, you know what? I'm actually ready to receive your inheritance and forsake the life that I've built myself. And I'm ready to accept all that you have. It's a relational reality. Readiness in the Bible, it's always a question of faith, acceptance, and willingness to embrace who he is, what he's done, and what he has to offer. It's not about getting ourselves ready, pumping ourselves up, and somehow cleaning ourselves up so we can finally say to God, here I am, I'm ready to go. No, Jesus has done that for each of us. You got to know this. You got to know before you embark on purpose, before you embark on any great Christian endeavor in your life, before you're pumping yourself up and saying, I'm ready, you got to know you are complete in Christ right now. Colossians 2.10 says you're complete in him. He is the head of all principality and power. And how are you complete in him? Hebrews 10 verse 14 says this, by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. He has perfected you. You're not on a race towards perfection. Perfected, it means uh, to bring to an end, to complete, to perfect, to consummate, reaching the end stage. Look at this, working through the entire process to reach the final phase. You and I, we have been in a personal sense by the one offering of the body and blood of Jesus brought to an end stage in our development. We have worked through the entire process of acceptance, righteousness, and sanctification to God in Christ Jesus. Jesus did all of that for us. He brought us to the end of the process and he's presented us to the Father fully acceptable, fully pleasing, and fully embraced by a holy God. So when we talk about being sanctified, when he talks about those who are being sanctified, he's talking about those people who've yet to acknowledge that, who've yet to believe that. He's not saying, you know, that the, the, the perfected ones are still being sanctified. Otherwise, they wouldn't be perfected if the process was still ongoing. No, no, the ones who are being sanctified are the ones who've yet to come. Like Jesus added to his church every day. Every day he's adding. He's adding to the church the people who are coming to a realization of his grace and his goodness. It's not about working yourself up. It's not about perfecting yourself.
And Paul says the same thing in the Bible over and over, so many places, so many times. Colossians 1.28, he says, Him we preach, warning every man, teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. And again, he's not saying I have a ministry of preaching, warning, teaching, and wisdom that's going to perfect people. He's saying you're perfect in Christ. The object here is to get everybody to realize it. But you got to know before you embark on purpose, before you embark on doing anything with God, you got to know God himself has made you perfect. And the reason why that's so important, the reason why I've belabored this and just spent some time here is this. Everybody has a race to run, a purpose, a calling, if you will, a life mission, a life purpose. We have one. You have one as an individual. We've got a discover track. We can help you to, to discover that. Um, churches have them. We together, collectively, corporately, <clears throat> excuse me, are embarking together on purpose. You know, some people believe that nations have redemptive purposes. So it's, it's really important to know this. But if you think that your life purpose, your task, your mission, your race is to get closer to God, to purify yourself, to become more like God, if you think your race is about all these things, you're actually going to miss what Jesus has to offer. See, you're going to turn everything you do and every relationship you have into something that you can use to better yourself, to complete yourself. And you never really enter into living with God. You're constantly going to be living for him. Your activities will not really be about loving others. and what you, It'll be about how well you're doing. It'll be about, am I running my race? Am I getting to the end? It's not going to be about loving the people in front of you. Relationships will be opportunities to practice being like Jesus on people instead of actually loving them. Ministry will be about advancing you and your calling and your destiny rather than loving people. And, and that's really the heart of what God's purpose is for your life, is to, to learn to live out of his love for others. And you know what? You can do that. You're fully equipped to do that and to start walking on purpose with him because he has qualified you, perfected you, and put you at the starting line. You don't have to crawl to get there. God has made you fit for this. So we're talking about purpose. We're not talking about perfection. We got to get past the idea that we're trying to make ourselves holy, make ourselves acceptable to God, and then we'll be able to embark on purpose. You got to let go of that. Otherwise, I'll tell you what, that's kind of holding us back. You're going to find that you're not able to embark because you're never really going to qualify. You're always going to be constantly aware of the things in your life that you don't think are right or good. But Jesus says, no, accepted, ready to go. I've put you at the starting line. And we got a race to run. We, can't, we don't want to denigrate the fact that we have a race to run. We do have purpose, each and every single one of us. If you don't realize that, you're probably living a disengaged life. Jesus has a unique purpose and calling on your life. And there's so many examples in the Bible, like even David from the, the story of the cave. I mean, 1 Samuel 16, he's anointed to be king. He finds himself a couple chapters later in a cave. It's not until 2 Samuel 5, like years later, when he actually becomes king. So he's on this journey, and the cave was just a stopover. It wasn't the destination. It was a stopover, but it was a stopover in a journey of purpose and relationship. It wasn't about making David holy. David had an incredible revelation of the grace of God. He was able to say things like, you know, forget not all his benefits. He forgives all my sins. He heals all my diseases. He had an amazing working revelation of the grace of God, and I think that is what qualified him and, and just made him able to run with such vigor after his purpose because he knew whether I stand, whether I fall, whether I'm in a cave or whether I'm in the palace, God loves me. And his love and acceptance on my life is not dependent on how well I'm doing in my quote-unquote race. 
You see this in the Apostle Paul, Romans 1.1. He says, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. He lived with an incredible sense of purpose. And you can see the drive in his life, but Paul's drive and Paul's mission was not about becoming something more in God's eyes. It was about partnering with him in purpose. Jesus said the same thing. John 17, verse 4, he said to the Father when he prayed, he said, I finished the work you gave me to do. You gave me a job to do, Father, and I completed it. But even Jesus, here's the perfect example. He set out in his three years of ministry, and he started his race from a place of acceptance and approval. He didn't run to get it. He didn't do what he did to try to please the Father in the sense that God somehow was looking for Jesus to develop in a certain way. No, Jesus started with a firm conviction that the Father loved him just as he is. The Father said, this is my beloved Son and him whom I'm well pleased. And that is what Jesus launched out from. So our purpose, our calling, our ministry, our, our life dreams even, are not the construct through which we perform to become more holy and spiritual. Or even closer to God, you've got to know your purpose in life and what you're ready for. And embarking with incredible tension, intentionality on your life, it's an invitation from Jesus to partner with him and to know him. It's the bride of Christ being like Eve in the garden, who, uh, who was a helpmate, a partner for Adam. And that's what we are. And, and it's a beautiful invitation to get to know him and to do the things that he's doing. It's not uh, uh, something that he's given and said, here you go, here's your purpose, now prove yourself. And here's the next picture I want you to get now. You got the racer, the runner who's gone to the race. He's got to the starting line. He knows that his race ahead is one of purpose. It's not one of perfecting himself. It's not one of trying to attain God's favor and God's approval. And then you got the runner. He's, he's at the starting line. And she's, she's getting ready to go. And the guy's got the whistle or the gun or whatever, the, the referee. And he says, on your marks, get set. And he gets ready to go. She, she's down in the crouch. She's ready to run. I don't know if you've seen those 100-meter races or ever tried that. I, I'd, I'd show you. I'm just afraid I wouldn't get back up. <laughs> it would be ugly. It would be ugly. But the runner, okay? The runner's ready to run. And I want to I tell you today, you are ready to run your race of purpose. When you know that, you know, you're not running for the approval of God, you're running in partnership with him, you are ready to go. You're at the starting line and you're good to go. And you might be like, well, I don't feel like I'm ready. I don't feel called. I don't feel equipped. I don't feel like I'm ready. Well, think about Jesus. I mean, how he sent out his disciples. Wow, missed some slides here. Sorry. <laughs> think about how Jesus sent out his disciples. In Luke chapter 9, he, he sent out his 12. He gave them power. He gave them authority over demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the gospel of the kingdom of God, to heal the sick. And you know what? He hadn't even taught them how to pray yet. These guys weren't even developed. It's not till Luke 11 where he teaches them how to pray. Now, could you imagine the disciples saying to Jesus, actually, you know what, hold on, we're not ready. Perhaps you don't know Jesus, we're not holy enough. As if Jesus, when he called them and when he sent them out and he invited them into this life of purpose and partnership and ministry, as if he didn't know that they were going to betray him, abandon him, misunderstand him, deny him, try to call fire down from people and kill people, try to keep kids from coming into a revelation of the goodness of God. And then even after he got raised from the dead and he spent 40 days explaining the kingdom to them, they still tried to keep people out of the kingdom based on racial, uh, you know, identity, like the Gentiles. As if he didn't know that all that stuff was true of them. And he still called them and he still brought them to himself and said, I still want to partner with you on purpose because the basis of your perfection and your qualification is me, not you. So he, he, got, he said, you know what, guys, you're ready. Here's the keys to the car. Let's go. Let's work it out as we go along. But one of the things you're going to discover is that I've qualified you and I've made you ready. So there's a couple things I want to share with you real quick about the Old Testament. The process of the priests 
who were getting sanctified, consecrated, set apart to God to minister in purpose. Because you know what? You and I, we're part of a royal priesthood. God has made us kings and priests. So here's three reasons for you that you can really sink into, understand, or just wrap your teeth around, just know this is why you're ready. And this is why you are ready. This is not why you're getting ready. This is not talking about, you know, God's got an incredible purpose for you and I want to show you the 16 ways that you can clean yourself up, get holy, and get ready to go. I want to show you right now why you're ready. And we've got this amazing picture in the Old Testament and how we have been made priests just like these were. So three reasons. Ready? There's the call makes you called, the blood that qualifies you, and the oil that equips you. We're going to talk about this for a little bit. Leviticus chapter 8, verse 2 to 3. This is the process again of how God took people who we wanted to be priests and wanted to partner with him in the priesthood and how he sent them into their race and set them up and ready to go. This is what he did. He took them. First of all, he called them. Leviticus 8, 2-3. Take Aaron and his sons with him. God identified people and said, you know what? I want you to pick them. And I hope you know this. I hope you felt this. I hope that this is a living reality in your life. And if it's not, it's something that can be. Jesus has a unique purpose and a unique call for you. I hope you know that God has called you for something. He has a plan for your life. There's a purpose in your world. And connecting with that can be incredibly beneficial and bring incredible structure to your life. And if you don't know this, John 15, verse 16, listen to this. Jesus says, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. You know, some people say, you know, many are called, but only few are chosen. Or many are chosen, not many are called. You know what? God has called and chosen all of us because he called and he chose Jesus. He's called Jesus, and you and I find ourselves in him. So he says, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. Do you hear the force of that? You're going to bear fruit because he called you. Because he appointed you, you are going to bear fruit, and your fruit is going to remain. You're going to live a life of purpose, a life that has consequence into eternity. He has called you. He has chosen you. You might think, well, wow, you know, all these other people are doing amazing, special things, but I, my life doesn't really matter. I'm not really doing anything cool. But you know what? God himself, God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, has made you on purpose, and he's put his hand on your life and said, you have purpose. You have destiny. Whatever you're going through right now, maybe you're in the cave. I'm telling you, I, I just think so many times in the Psalms, it says David strengthened himself in the Lord. And I think one of those things he did when he found himself in the cave is he recalled the fact that he'd been anointed to be the king and he knew that where he was was just a stopover it wasn't the destination and I tell you what when you know the purpose that God has for your life you can look back and you can lean into it and you can say what I'm seeing right now is not it this is not where I'm going to stay and this is not where God's going to lead me and if you read Psalm 57 verse 2 David says I called out to God I trust in him he will perfect he will accomplish his purpose for me and you and I can rest in that same conviction if you find yourself in a bad spot right now. But it starts with knowing he has a purpose for you. And it's not to leave you where you are. You're going to bear fruit. Your life has eternal significance. And it's going to do something incredible just because of your union with him. You are called to purpose. David was, he knew it. Paul was, he knew it. Jesus was, he knew it. And you and I in Christ Jesus, we have not only a call that you know, is unique to us, but it's a calling that we can find in Jesus Christ. He's called us to partner with him. And his calling is none other than the nations. He asked the Father, he said, you know what, give me the nations as my inheritance. The ends of the earth is my possession. And you and I have a role to partner with him in that calling. It's incredible when you dig into it. You and I have a, a unique part to play. But you got to know it. you got to feel it. And I pray that you would right now. You would know and feel the hand of God singling you out. You as an individual. i got purpose for you. Second of all, the blood. I love this. You, you might not feel qualified. I mean, you might think, well, little old me, 
What am I going to do? I'm not qualified. I haven't been to school. I don't think I've been a Christian for a long time. I don't really know my Bible. I sinned yesterday. I, I don't know. <laughs> right? Who knows? You, you might have been that person Pastor Carl was talking about at the communion. You had a really bad week. But I'll tell you what, because of the blood, you're still, you're still qualified. Leviticus 8, verse 14. Before they, uh, you know, the part of the process here. So they've called them, they brought them out, they brought Aaron and his sons out. Now they take a bull as a sin offering. And Aaron and his sons lay their hands on the head of the bull for the sin offering. And then Moses kills it. And the blood we, we've learned is the blood makes atonement for the sins. So they've been, in a sense, perfected by the blood. Their sin was dealt with. But check this out. Second of all, Leviticus chapter 8, 23 and 24, they do something with a ram, and then they bring a second ram, the ram of consecration. And they take some of the blood from this ram, this sacrifice, and they put it on the tip of Aaron's right ear, on his right thumb, and on his right foot. And there was a blood sacrifice that, when applied to their ear, thumb, and foot, qualified them and acted as a mark of approval for service. Not for perfection, they were already perfected. They were already perfected by the sin offering. It was the blood that consecrated and set them apart for purpose. Now, this is the big idea here. In the Old Covenant, there are literally tons of different sacrifices. Goats and rams and, you know, sin offerings, Thanksgiving offerings. There's the Passover. There's the atonement. All different animal sacrifices that, when seen through the right lens, all point to different aspects of Jesus' one-time sacrifice of his, you know, his body and his blood on the altar of the cross. The one-time offering of Jesus, you know, it's, it's not just a, a reference to the fact that Jesus died once for sin and doesn't need to re-die over and over and over again for our sins. It is that, and it does mean that, but it also means that all those many different sacrifices, they all find their fulfillment in the one-time sacrifice of Jesus. So I don't need Jesus to die on the cross to forgive me for my sins and then die on the cross to qualify for ministry and then die on the cross to help me to do anything else. There is a one-time sacrifice of Jesus one time that forever washes me clean from sin and forever sets me apart to purpose with God. So there's blood. In short, the same sacrifice that Jesus made in giving his life for the forgiveness of our sins was the same sacrifice that sealed our walk, our works, and our inner world with the blood that qualified us for service. Just like the priests who were qualified in the Old Testament through the, you know, the smearing of this blood on their, their ear, their thumb, and their foot from the, the, the blood of the ram, the blood of Jesus also qualifies you for your purpose. Not only perfects you, but consecrates you to walk out that purpose, makes you ready and qualifies you to run your race. And that's really, really, really important. Because finally, there's the oil, the equipping oil. And the oil often refers to the person, the presence, and the power of the Holy Spirit. If you look in 1 Samuel 16, 13, when Samuel, the prophet Samuel, went to anoint David king, he took a horn of oil, anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came on David from that day. So there's oil, the oil and the Spirit are often synonymous. And here's the thing. When you've accepted Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. You already do. You've got the seal of the Holy Spirit inside of you. He's like a down payment, a deposit of your redemption. But you know what? Jesus, he had purpose for his disciples after he ascended to heaven. And he said, guys, I got a plan for you. But I don't want you to go anywhere just yet. I don't want you to leave. I don't want you to go out and embark on this until you've received power from on high. And that power he was talking about was the power of the Holy Spirit, the baptism in the Holy Spirit experience. And uh, you know what? If you haven't had that yet, you can the only qualifier for the power of the Holy Spirit is the blood. Yeah. 
That's why there's this order that's really, really important. The process of separating the priests to purpose was the fact that they, they, they call them, then they put the blood on, then the oil. It wasn't oil, then blood, it was blood. And the beautiful thing about that is that you and I, we've already experienced, Jesus has already shed his blood for us. There's no, there's no religious effort or work or strife or striving that we have to do in order to become acceptable and qualified to God, in order to receive this promise of the Holy Spirit. We just have to embrace the blood. So if you're struggling to experience God, if you, if you want this power, if you want this power from on high, you want this experience of being empowered and the gifts of the Holy Spirit and all this stuff, I'm telling you, embrace the blood. And that's why I can tell you with confidence you are ready because it's the only prerequisite is the, oil, is the blood. The only prerequisite for oil is blood. And it's already been shed through the one-time sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. I have been signed out because my account is signed in on another device. Sorry about that, guys. <laughs> I can't even find my cursor. I don't know how to get rid of that. We got one more slide. We got one more slide, and that's this. Just to summarize it all, just to show you, you know what? This isn't just a fancy word picture from the Old Testament. This is a New Testament reality. This is something that's happened to you. This is something that Jesus has done for you and for us. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. It says to him who is loved, it says loved under there. If you don't believe me, you can look up in your own Bible. But to him who has loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. There's the call to him who loved who? Us. God has called us. You and me, you should identify yourself and not us. To him who has loved us. There's the qualification. There's the blood. He's washed us in his own blood. And he has equipped us. He has made us. How? You know what? That same anointing oil that the kings in the Old Testament had, the same anointing oil that the priests had, that symbolizes the Holy Spirit to come, you and I have that in reality. We have the blood of Jesus and we have the oil of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So to him who has loved us, washed us from our sins in his own blood and made us kings and priests, he has called us, he has qualified us, and he has equipped us for a life of purpose. It's really important that you know, when this ceremony was over, a ceremony of consecration to purpose, not perfection, the priests having been called they had the blood applied and the oil supplied they were ready to serve and that same same thing's true of you and me today we have had the oil of God poured out on us because the blood of Jesus has been applied to us and if you don't know you've been called you have and I pray that the Holy Spirit would testify deep inside of your heart that you've been called and set apart not just to walk with God but to walk with him in purpose and bring incredible intentionality into your life and I hope you see that by the one time offering of Jesus this race that we're getting ready to run I mean I don't know if you feel it but there's there's just an incredible anticipation in the world but also in the church I mean we're getting ready to do something you know, there's not, the COVID's not going to be forever. Like, like Pastor Carl said, there's an after this. There really is. There's something coming. And you got to know that, you know what, you have been prepared and you are ready for it. And you're ready for it because Jesus Christ has made you ready. He has qualified you for it. And you know what? I think just worldwide, I think if the body of Christ were to just, you know what, stop trying to qualify for something that he's already qualified us for and just relax, we might find that some of these things that we've been waiting to see are going to start to pop and start to happen in our world because we're going to start to actually embrace Jesus and the purpose that he has rather than trying to do for him something that he's already done for us. So it's an incredibly exciting times. The grace of God, the message of his grace is 
being poured out like never before, preparing us and readying us. And that's not an accident. The Bible says that the capstone comes with shouts of grace, grace. You know, the, the place we find ourselves in human history, the grace message that's being awakened and enlivened right now, it's not a fad. It's not something that's coming and going. It's because Jesus wants to awaken a body of people to end time purposes and plans that he has. And it only happens by an awakening to grace. This is not something that's coming and going. This is something that we got to embrace. By the one-time offering of Jesus, you have been qualified, set apart, to run your race with incredible purpose. And it's something I pray that we all just become deeply aware of and engage in the days to come. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm going to switch. Oh, well, it's still there. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Well, you know what, guys? Thanks for joining us today. And if, you're, if you've been watching, you've been tuning in, and you don't usually do that, or you know, you're just kind of checking us out, I really just want to give you a second here. You know, a lot of the stuff we've been talking about, about a life of purpose, a life of destiny. God, you got to know this. God made you on purpose. He really did. I've said that a million times, but your life matters. And you're not just marking time right now. You're not just locked down in your house, just wasting time as it goes by. Your life has incredible significance to God. And if you want to know that, I mean, you, and, you, and you want to embark on this process of purpose with Jesus, and you've never, you know, been able to say in the past, wow, I know that he loves me. I know that he accepts me and embraces me. I want you to do that right now. It's not hard. It's really not complicated. You just got to know. You got to be able to say, yeah, I accept that. I accept that God loves me. I accept that Jesus loves me. And I'm willing to let him be source in my life. And I'll tell you what, when you can say that, something incredible happens on the inside of you. And, and if that's something that's happened for you today, if that's something that you'd like to do right now, all you got to do is say, Jesus, I accept you. I welcome you and I look forward to a life of purpose with you. And if you can do that right now, I'm telling you, something incredible happens in your world. Something on the inside of you, you've embarked on an incredible race. And we'd love to get in touch with you and help you. We'd, we'd love for you to go to impactlondon.ca and click on the connect card. We'd love to, to help you, to, to help unpack that purpose that God has put inside of you. But help you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he loves you. He's perfected you. He's qualified you. And you're, you're, you're more than capable, more than able because of the call, the blood, and the oil to begin that amazing life of purpose with him today. So if that's you, please do that. We'd love for you to do that. We've got an online lobby afterwards. You can join. You can see all your friends. You can go to impactlondon.ca. You can go on and get on the Zoom meeting through the All Access Pass. We've got people willing to pray with you and private prayer rooms that you can jump into in a Zoom room. And, uh, and just get prayer and get ministry today. And if there's something going on in your world, you're struggling, you know, you just need some help, you need some prayer, even just jump on the Zoom and see some friendly faces. I'll tell you what, that'll energize you like nothing else, seeing people that you haven't seen in a while. But I want to pray for you real quick. Father, I thank you so much that you love us. I thank you for the one-time offering of Jesus Christ who has forever qualified us, sanctified us, and set us apart to you. I thank you, Father, for the good and exciting purpose that you have, the, the purpose that you, you baked into every single one of us, you embedded and stamped on us. And I pray, Lord, that this week just incredible confidence comes over the body of Christ to begin to run with endurance the race that you've marked out for them. Not a race towards perfection, but a race towards purpose. Not, not a, a, a performance-laden, life and a journey trying to strive to become something but an embrace of partnership with you because of your love so father i thank you so much you've done it all and we embrace it all in your son jesus christ amen thanks for joining us today and uh, we'd love to see you we got groups this week we got midweek service on wednesday and uh, again lobby at impactlondon.ca we'll see you later <laughs>